Welcome to the Hutto Community Church Podcast. HCC is located in Hutto, Texas, and is led by Pastor Russell Daniel. Today, Pastor Russell continues his sermon series entitled, Follow Me. We hope you enjoy today's message. So, Father God, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for an opportunity to open your word and to hear what you have to say for us. I pray for soft hearts tonight. Father, I pray that you would guide my own words and my own thoughts as we open your word. So we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we have been in a really fun series, or at least it's been fun for me, called Follow Me. And we've based this series on Matthew 4.19 that simply says, Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And so the idea of following Jesus is that you and I would become disciples of Christ, not the denomination disciples of Christ, but that we would be those who follow Jesus with our life. And so what that means is we're going to become like the one we follow, which is Jesus. So the goal in this series is that you and I would be able to take a look at our lives and say, what areas of our life are not matching up with the Lord and what areas do we need to tweak What areas do do we need to improve on so that we can be a people and a church who say, follow me as I follow the example of Jesus Christ? So we've been having a lot of fun with this. Again, I have. Uh, Last week, we got to talk about the real issue of anxiety and depression. And that's a big issue for a lot of people in our world. And we looked at some statistics of how uh, both of those... um, Both of those things, disorders or struggles or whatever you want to call that, are drastically rising in our culture. So how do we as Christ followers who who also battle with that same stuff, how can we legitimately follow Jesus? And we looked at what Jesus had to say. Uh, We looked at some characters in Scripture that also struggled with anxiety and depression. And, And then we looked at said, hey, what does science tell us actually works? And so uh, if you missed that message, I encourage you to go online and listen to that. And uh, maybe you've got a friend and you could share that with them and it would be a blessing to them. Now tonight, as I said just a minute ago, we're going to begin talking about the very fun topic of money. Now I know that you all came to church tonight and you were hoping that we were going to be talking about money, right? Because many of you have been in church for long enough that you've heard Uh, a message, and it has just really pushed you the wrong way. And you've said, well, you know what, preacher? You're not going to tell me how to use my finances. I work hard, and I'm going to do with it what I want. Some of you have been uh, victim to uh, maybe some spiritual abuse where someone has really pressured you into doing some things that uh, you didn't agree with or you didn't think were right. And others of you, maybe you know that the Lord is asking you to do something with some of your finances. And so when you hear that we're talking about that, your heart drops because there's been some disobedience in your life. Or maybe you just hadn't got the courage up to make in the change that you want to. Whatever the case is, I'm just going to shoot you straight and I'm going to put all my cards on the table up front. So do I think you ought to give? Yeah, I do. I think it's biblical. I think it's right, especially for you as you come to the church. I think you should do that. But more so, I want you to be able to be used of the Lord in whatever way He wants to use you. And if your finances are an issue, 
in your life, and, and it's, you're so strapped financially that you can't do what God is asking of you. I want you to become free of that. I want you to have the freedom that if, if you need to have a weekend away with your spouse so that you can renew your marriage connection, then, then you can get a hotel or you can go out to Fredericksburg and you can spend that time focused with your family and rejuvenate your family life together. As I said earlier uh, this year in our first meeting here, I want you to have things. I just don't want your things to have you. Money is a great tool, but the way in which we use it can often damage our lives. And I want you to, to be able to enjoy life. I want you to have the life that God has for you. So we're going to set the foundation here tonight, and we're going to talk about this idea of stewardship. Stewardship. Now, uh, most of you know my dad is a pastor, and he's pastor, or he was pastoring in, in the Houston area. And several years ago, uh, their church decided that they were going to call a worship pastor. And uh, because we have a lot of Michaels in our congregation, we're just going to call him Michael to protect his identity. And I don't think you guys would ever find out who he is, but let's just call him Michael. And so they find this guy, Michael, and he's wonderful. He's a great worship leader. Uh, man, he's filled with the Spirit of God. He's got energy. He's got great stage presence. He's personable. Uh, he's got a wonderful family. He's got this whole gaggle of kids. And man, he is a great fit for Dad's church. He'd have been somebody who could have come in and could have really rejuvenated uh, their worship culture and, and really, I mean, helped change the church and reach that community. But Michael had one problem, money. He was tied to money. So much so that, that he and his family, they were living in East Texas, and so they needed to make that transition down to the Houston area so that they could live there and be effective ministers of the gospel, but they couldn't do it despite the fact that the church was paying him a really generous salary. And so he began commuting for a time, and they began to look at houses, and they looked at houses to rent. They looked at houses to buy. They had church members uh, helping them. I mean, the whole church was scouring the whole area, Say, where can we find a place for this family to live? So this went on for a couple of more months, and finally the, the leaders of the church got together, and they said, listen, it is very clear to us, he will not move here. We're going to have to let him go. And the saddest part about this whole thing is that, that here's a man who's anointed by God. Like, he's been called by the Spirit of God. Like, the church wants him to come. Uniquely gifted, wonderful family. But because he was not a good steward of his finances, he could not do what the Lord had asked of him. And so when it comes to money, my heart is that you would be able to do all that God asks of you, and you would not be so tied down by all the things that you have that you would simply have to walk away. So we're going to talk about this idea of stewardship. And a steward is a person who manages another's property or financial affairs. They say, hang on, Pastor, what? A person who manages another's property or financial affairs. And you might be thinking, well, I have a lot of stuff, but I'm not managing anybody's stuff. And I would say, let's, let's back up and go to the beginning. Genesis chapter 1. God created the heavens and the earth. 
He creates the sun and the stars. He creates plants. He creates animals. He creates land. He creates oceans and mountains and valleys. And in Genesis 1.28, we read, And God blessed them, Adam and Eve, after He made Adam and Eve, and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion, have dominion, over the fish of the sea and the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with its seed and its fruit. You shall have them for food. You shall have the beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens, everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has breath of life. I have given every green plant for food. And so it was. And God saw everything that He made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Did you catch the emphasis? God is the owner. He's the one who created all the earth. Like, some of you are pretty crafty, and you make some things from time to time. I was over at the Mercer's house a couple of weeks ago, and y'all went and did that, that really cool craft deal. You... Chris, you made that sign. Um, I mean, it was legit. Did that sign ever say to you, like, I'm going to do whatever I want? Yeah, I didn't think so. Why? Because you were the creator of the sign. The the created thing is not going to speak back to the creator. Yet we as humans, we want to do that all the time. And we say, oh, no, God, this is mine. But he's the creator. He's the one who's given us life and given us breath. And he has given us the authority there in Genesis 1 that, hey, you are to be a steward of what I have made. If this is not enough, we go over to uh, Psalm 24. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. Go down to Psalm 50. For every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the hills and all that moves in the field is mine. So for you and I to be stewards, the first thing we have to recognize is that we don't own anything. We don't own anything. We have simply been given a life. We've given a personality, gifts, and abilities. And oh, by the way, we've been given resources that we are to manage for the Lord. And the passage where we're really going to land today comes out of Matthew chapter 25 and verses 14 and following. And I really love this passage because I believe it really establishes what it means to be a good steward. So here we go. So this is Jesus talking, "...for it will be like a man going on a journey, who called his servants and entrusted them his property." To one he gave five talents, another two, and to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He he who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them and made five more. So also he, he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug a hole in the ground and buried his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of these servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing talents more, I'm sorry, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. 
Enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had the two talents came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here is what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scatter no seed? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast this worthless servant into outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, in this story, we got to be careful that we don't take everything too literally. Jesus is using this as an example, and our goal is just to glean what the main point is. So you see that there is a man who has a whole lot of money, and he comes and he brings his servants, and he's not going to take all that money with him, so he's going to divide it among them and say, hey, invest what I have, and when I come back, I'll give to you what is due. So he gives the one five talents. That's like a lot, a lot, a lot of money. Like think about millions of dollars. He says, go and invest it. So he goes off and he trades it and he does business deals. And, uh, you know, over a course of time, he begins to accumulate more and he doubles it. The second guy, two talents, not bad. He takes his two talents, also goes out and trades and does business. Not long after, he doubles it. But then we come to the one servant, one with one talent. Now, one talent's still not bad. You're still a pretty talented guy if a a rich man is going to give you that sum of money to be able to invest. But he was paralyzed by fear, not understanding that he had his own gifts and abilities that he could have used to go and to make money. I mean, heck, he could have just gone and opened a bank account and at least the guy would have collected interest, but he couldn't even do that. And so he goes home, he goes in his backyard, he digs a hole, throws the money in there, covers it up, and then worries and worries and worries until his master comes back. Now, for you and for I, there are some things that we need to understand. That we are just like these servants in that We've got to recognize that I'm not the owner of anything. Now, I like to go back to my what I affectionately refer to as my burrito rolling days in seminary. I worked at a place called Qdoba. And uh, just think about Chipotle, only better, and then you've got Qdoba. And so that's where I worked uh, while I went to school. And it was not the greatest job, right? But they said, hey, you're a talented guy. Why don't you, why don't you be a manager for us? I thought, okay, I'll be a manager. So they give me a key, they give me codes to uh, our safe in the back, and they give me access to all this stuff, and you know, you get on the computer and start ordering things. It's pretty cool, especially as a young guy, right? But like when I walked in the door to that building, like I didn't own it. I didn't own the grills that we cooked on. I didn't own the fridges that we stored stuff in. I didn't own any of the produce. 
I didn't own a thing of it, but I was the manager of it. And it was my job not to, not to own it and say, this is mine, but to use it for the good of others. And so the same thing in, in, in this passage, we see that, that we've got to evaluate every decision and, and ask the question, when I do this, am I going to honor Jesus? Like, am I going to honor him in my decisions? Again, God has given you a brain. He's given you a personality to use. He's given you an ability to relate to people in a way that other people are not able to. For some of you, he's, give, he's given certain talents. And I love what Bob says sometimes. He's like, listen, God gave me a big mouth and no fear, so I'm going to use it for him. And that's the attitude that we're going to have as stewards, that, that even our personality, that even um, the gifts and talents we have, they're not to be used for our, our own good. But that's exactly opposite of what society tells us because it says, oh, society's all about you. It's about what you can get. It's about you being happy. I'm sorry, I don't see happiness being a criteria in following Jesus. And so when we evaluate our life, we've got to change the way we think. It is no longer about me. It is no longer about my wants and my desires. It is about King Jesus because he is the creator of the universe and he has given us everything that we have. He's given us the cars we drive. He's given us the house we live in. Uh, he's given us the jobs that, that we are able to make a paycheck and provide for our family. It all comes from him. And so, you know, working in that store, I recognize that this is not mine, but I am here to be a steward. I'm here to be a manager. I'm here to be a responsible person. Many of you, you manage people in, in your day-to-day -day business, and you know what it is to be able to be the person who is in charge and responsible. We are responsible for the things he's given us. And at some point, we're going to have to give an account for how we have, we have used all that the Lord has given us. Now, I don't want to scare you. I don't want to like, make you totally rethink. Well, maybe I do want you to rethink the way you live, but I, I don't want you to question every single little decision. Like, well, am I going to honor God if I go to the bathroom right now while the pastor's speaking? Like, we don't have to get that granular, right? But, but we should be asking the question, is what, am I, what I'm doing today really honoring the Lord? Is my bank account, the way I spend money, is it really honoring to God? And then we're, we're charged with making the best use of all the things that God has entrusted to us. Again, going back to the old burrito rolling days, if, if, if our business didn't make money, then eventually somebody's going to come in and say, Russell, what in the world are you doing? Like, you're ordering all this stuff, but, but where is it going? Are you throwing it away? Are you cooking too much stuff? Are you wasting it? So when it comes to our spiritual life, God has given us spiritual gifts. How are we using those for his kingdom and his glory? When was the last time you even thought about spiritual gifts that, that you've been given and how you're using those for the kingdom of God? You and I will have to give an account for that. So um, I'm going to give you three questions here, and then a story, and then three encouragements, and we'll be done. So first question, is what I'm currently doing in life what God really has for me? 
Is what I'm currently doing in life what God really has for me? Again, this is an easy question to ask, but it goes so deep. Because you've been given that, that personality. You've been given natural gifts and talents. You've been given a list of spiritual gifts from the Lord. And it is easy for us to get in such a rut that we don't even think about how what we do on a daily basis plays into the kingdom of God. Now, I'm not saying that you need to quit your job tomorrow and be a missionary in Africa. But I am saying that we need to take stock and evaluate, is this the best use of my life? God, is this really what you want me to be doing? How I can bring... uh, bring other people to know you, how I can best love people? Is this pushing people towards the kingdom of God? Or am I just spinning my wheels doing the same thing over and over, making no real eternal impact? Secondly, am I using the spiritual gifts and natural talents that I've been given to help and encourage others? Again, we get so dragged down and, and really just in this vicious cycle that we just live life at, at such a fast pace that we often forget that God has given us spiritual things to be doing on a daily basis. And if we will slow down enough and ask the Lord, will you show me how I can be a better witness for you? Will you show me how I can encourage someone today, you will be amazed at the opportunities that God begins to put in front of you. And that's where I think the real value is. When we engage people on a relational basis and really make a point to see how they're really doing, to see how we can be an encouragement to them, to see how we can help them. And I would hope that you would think of all the people that you encounter five days a week that run by your office or that you're on a shift together with. See, God's put you there for a purpose. I believe so. And I believe He's given you talents and abilities to be able to reach those people. And so we've got to evaluate how are we encouraging and helping others. Number three, Am I making the best use of my possessions and resources for the kingdom of God? I go back to the story about about Michael. He sure wasn't. He'd put himself in a bind. If God had asked him him to give $1,000 to some charity, couldn't have done it. Couldn't even move his family... uh, just a few hundred miles away when, when the Lord had specifically called him to be there. So what about you? Like, are your finances in a place where if, if the Lord wants you to give $500 or $1,000 to uh, maybe a person who is in need, maybe to the church, maybe to uh, the Pflugerville Pregnancy Resource Center or to Hutto Resource Center, to those who are on the streets helping on a daily basis, could you do it? Could you do it? Are we being obedient with our finances? Uh, Brooke and I have started watching a TV show called The, the Good Place. Anybody else watch that? Okay, so a couple of you. 
so it's, it's okay. It's not the greatest show in the world, but it's entertaining, right? And it's better than most everything else that's on TV. And so th- the premise of this, uh, this show is that uh, these four people die, and they all die on the same day, and uh, they go to the good place. Uh, except for the fact that the good place is not really the good place. It's this uh, special torture neighborhood that the, this managerial level demon has set up to be able to torture these four individuals and just make their life miserable. And so they're all trying to put on a, a fake smile and say, oh yeah, this is, this is great. Meanwhile, they're just wretched on the inside and they're fighting with one another and can't get along. And anyway, I digress. But the point is, as the show continues and they begin to figure out that they're not actually in the good place. And so they begin to try to get to the good place. And I'm not going to go into all the details, but at one point they find out they're never going to the actual good place. But they've been given life on earth once more. And so they make a promise to each other that they're going to go and they're going to help people all the people that they used to know, the people that they used to be roommates with, or the people they used to work with, or uh, their family, and they're going to try to help them become good so that they can get into the good place. And really, I began to think about that. That's how we actually ought to live, that we would use all of the resources, that we'd use all of the experiences, that we would use all of the things that God has given us in order that we might be able to help others love Jesus and love one another better. So what can you do today? Well, number one, you can start by being faithful what God has given you. You can be faithful with what God has given you to do today. You see the people here in this room, you can love and encourage those who are here. You're probably going to go eat dinner, and you might eat dinner as a family or uh, encounter a waitress, and you can be good to the waitress or the waiter who serves you. You can encourage them. You could pray for them if you wanted to, and you can be generous to them. One of the things I I loved about Pastor Will is that he always said, "If, if you can afford to go out to eat, then you can afford to tip well. And we as Christians especially ought to be doing that. That one was for free. Secondly, you can take time to evaluate your life. I would encourage you to take a Saturday morning or a Sunday morning or maybe an uneventful Friday evening and evaluate all the things that the Lord has given to you. Think about how He made you, how He made you to think, how He made uh, you to interact with others. Think about the possessions that He's given you, how you could use your house for the kingdom of God or how you might use your vehicle. One of the things I love about Brian and Kelly is they've got this massive van, and so they just tote kids everywhere they go for the kingdom of God. And I think that's such a great ministry, especially in a church uh, as small like ours. We don't have a 15-passenger van, so they use what they have for the kingdom of God. So think about that. Think about all the ways that you might be a better steward with what God has given you. Finally, simply love and serve the people that God has put around you now with the resources you currently have. When it comes down to it, we don't have to change the world. We simply have to be faithful with what God has put in front of us today. Thank you for joining us for Pastor Russell's Follow Me Sermon Series. If you enjoyed today's message, you can subscribe, share with your friends, or visit the HCC website at huddocommunitychurch.org for more information. 
Thanks again for listening and God bless.